Hey, welcome back to another episode of HVAC Success Secrets Revealed. Today, we've got on Amber Lee Snyder, and we are live at the Woman in HVAC our event down in Jacksonville, Florida. We're having a fantastic time. Amber Lee just spoke on stage. She crushed it, and we just did an amazing podcast with her. Thad, what was your favorite nugget for the episode? It's so tough listening to your message and then compacting it down into you know 25 minutes consumable, digestible content. But you know, really, it's just the frustrations, right, of everyday life, and you've had some pretty big frustrations and some setbacks, but the mindset and how to overcome those and talking deep and going into that was a favorite part of my episode. So Amber Lee, what about yourself? I would say my favorite part is getting to take a minute and thinking about where I've gone in the past 13 years, because sometimes I, I get so caught up in the day to day that you don't always think about how far you've come. So just a reminder for myself. Love it. Perfect. And for me, there were two, one choosing to be happy and just making that decision every single day. I love that part of the episode and you went deep on that. And then how is it that you can formulate some sort of a process as to when to push through and persevere and when it might be time to throw in the towel. I love that part of the episode as well, but we definitely want to hear from all of you. So leave a comment down below. What was your favorite part of the episode and enjoy the show. Welcome to HVAC Success Secrets Revealed, a show where we interview industry leaders and disruptors, revealing the success secrets to create and unleash the ultimate HVAC business. Now your hosts, Thaddeus and Evan. Hey, welcome back to another episode of HVAC Success Secrets Revealed with Thaddeus and Evan, where we have good conversations with good people. That ain't good conversation worth having us drunk, but... Uh, we're not going to drink on this episode today. Oh, you are. All right. Today we have on Amberly Schneider, and you just gave a keynote message at the Women in HVACR conference and expo, and it was fantastic and absolute. For me, a tearjerker. I think I mentioned to that uh, on the way up. And it's turning tragedy into triumph. And your story is quite powerful. And in, in, I'll let you talk in fully of your story, but just know that for those that are listening, in 2010, there was an accident that forever changed your life. And just the steward of positivity that you bring and the message that you brought was absolutely phenomenal. And I'm excited to dive in here uh, with you today on the show. Thank you. Excited to be able to visit. Excellent. All right. I've loved horses my whole life. And my parents didn't have a horse background. My dad was a major league baseball player. My mom was a cheerleader. She saw I had an interest in horses, so she wanted to make it possible for me to do that. So at three years old in California, they found a place that would take a three-year-old to actually start riding lessons. So I started that at three. Then when my family moved to Utah when I was seven, I told my dad I would only move if he bought me a Palomino Burl horse when we got there. Thank goodness he listened. So that was where I started competing in rodeo was at seven in Utah and fell in love with it. All through the junior high school days, he wanted to be the best. My senior year, I made the national high school finals as well as won a world all-around title with the National Little Bridges Association. And I felt like everything was going the way that I'd want it to go. When in January of 2010, I was involved in a rollover truck accident where I was ejected, hit a fence post, broke my back and injured my spinal cord. And at that point, we would say life started over. Everything I'd wanted to do or what I wanted to be was going to be different. I returned to competing in rodeo 18 months after. First time I was back on a horse was four months after, 18 months to get back into the arena to compete. And now I am here 13 years later. I'm the only paralyzed professional barrel racer in the United States and I love what I get to do. What about the world? There is one other professional barrel racer in Australia. Wow. So there's only two of us. Otherwise, I could say the world. And I don't even really know where to begin. It rang true and I was telling you the story earlier. My mom also loves horses and not to the level of what your accident happened, fractured vertebrae and couldn't ride a horse for years and is now getting back onto it now, but can't quite do the amount of things that she wanted to do. And you're talking about that as well. So in going from that to right back to essentially relearning everything, what was that like? What's so crazy is that 
You think that you've done hard things in your life until you're doing a hard thing. And then you realize the other hard things that I did prior to that were maybe not so bad because then learning how to live in a chair was completely different. Everything was hard. It was hard to get up in the morning. It was hard to get dressed. It was hard to move my legs in and out of bed. And everything was not what you would have expected it to be. And it challenges you to a level that you don't even think about being that frustrated until you're in that position. And I'm sure there are people who can relate to that when your body betrays you. It doesn't do what you think it's supposed to do. And you learn a lot of patience. You learn a lot of patience with yourself and with your body and with the people that want to help you and with your horses and with your attitude and everything. You just have to learn to have that. And I feel like that's a big part of the journey. I'm curious, even like, how did the horses respond? Or did they have to relearn riding with you as well? Horses are super smart. Yeah. I think they're smarter than we even give them credit for sometimes. And they 100% know something's different. There is not a horse that I, ha I have, especially ones that I have, that I'm fooling. I'm not fooling them. They know my legs don't work and they know they can take advantage if they want to, or they can step up and be better. The training strategies have to be different. And even I would say the horses that I'm willing to be on are different than what it would have been before. I don't know, it's a learning process for us both, but yeah, they do have to respond differently. They pay attention to my hands and my voice and have to just ignore my legs. That was just a random question that came to my head. It's a good random question, right? Because <laughs> you think about that, like legs are a pivotal part of riding a horse. Absolutely. Key part. Yeah. So you're in the hospital, you've woken up and you get the news. What was that like? So I was, I never got knocked out during the entire thing. Yeah, so they told me right after the accident, before I'd even seen any of my family or gone into surgery or anything that, that the chances of me walking were slim to none, but more mm -hmm. than none. So I'd heard that news. I knew that news. Waking up from surgery is when you learn that life really is different. I was super, super sick for a couple of days. And one of the craziest things we found out later is you would think that if you get in an accident that they would go ahead and x-ray you like mm -hmm. from the waist down of everything you can't feel they didn't so i ended up having a femur fracture that they didn't find oh, we found it way later on to something completely different wow. it wasn't bad or i mean it wasn't it is a femur fracture but it wasn't bad you could just see where it healed over but they never found that so then it made me sick to move obviously because my body's in a lot of pain and even though i can't feel it my body can so there was just a lot and it doesn't feel real the mm -hmm. whole time it doesn't feel real mm -hmm. in the hospital in general you're just like well, once i leave these walls my legs are going to work mm -hmm. right and this is going to be some crazy challenge i'm going to tell people that i faced mm -hmm. and it just it just doesn't work like that how quick was the, the turnaround in your mental belief around being able to compete again that i never doubted you never did even laying on the hospital bed and they're telling me you're not getting back on a horse nobody's done that that's impossible although they don't have therapy riding they do right. but not competing and right. so i said okay i'm going to that's not a question for me that was never a doubt in my mind the honestly where the doubt started and it got hard is after i got on mm -hmm. because then i recognized it wasn't the same mm -hmm. and so it wasn't going to be as i thought my balance was better on a horse than it was anywhere else. That's why I had them bring a saddle into therapy because my balance was so bad. And I'm like, put me in a saddle. I can balance in a saddle. And it was better there. So I had told myself if I get back on a horse, it'll, that won't change. And of course it did. But mm. that was the biggest process was trying to figure out, okay, even if it's not the same, do you love it? At what level can you do it? How are you going to communicate with your horse and all of those things? How hard was that to overcome? Still is. Yeah. Still is very frustrating. I don't enter the arena and tell you I'm not at a disadvantage because I am. I mean, your legs don't work. So <laughs> there are situations that I could do better or I could talk to my horse better or I could have not hit a barrel if my legs worked. So it's still as hard, right? And how I, frustrating is that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Told you I don't say bad words on podcasts. So. <laughs> I'll save that for after. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's frustrating. It's hard. When you look at the frustration and, and look, everybody goes through 
different frustrations in different seasons and different chapters. When you think about the frustrations of that and having to overcome the mental barrier and the mental, like the whole mental shift, what are some of the things that you did individually, personally, that help you, that helps you still to this day with those frustrations that you think other people that are listening might benefit from? The biggest thing that comes to my mind is to celebrate. So at first I told myself, if I don't accomplish the big goal, it's not worth celebrating. And that is not true. And so I think just as humans, we feel like that, right? If we're not, if we're not the best, then it must mean that we're not good enough. And that is not the case. Every day there's something that deserves celebration. And so that's what I get to tell myself. I love stovetop s'mores. So I love to cook my s'mores on the stovetop or I tell myself I get uninterrupted time of Netflix where I don't have to be working or whatever it is. I guess I'm really actually obsessed with coffee right now. So I get my coffee if I do something that's worthwhile that day. And I think that every day has to be like that. So so if I tell you, what do I do to overcome my frustration is choose to, you have to make that choice of, I am worthy of what I'm doing today. And I have to allow myself to be happy, right? It's so much easier to be grumpy. Let's get real. Mm -hmm. It's so much easier to be, this isn't fair. And this isn't what I wanted and blah, blah, blah. It's easy. You have to choose to be happy and you have to choose to say, you know what? I don't care if this is this way, I'm going to be happy and I don't care if the world's not fair. I'm going to find the silver lining and you have to make that choice. So I've just learned to choose happy as much as I can. And that's the victim mentality, right? That a lot of people end up having is that I'm the victim of this. I'm the victim of that. No, you're just choosing to be the victim of that circumstance mm -hmm. that you have. And I know that now you me and you mentioned the everyday celebrations you talked about when you first woke up, like, okay, let's set goals, right? And it was like day one and you're like, walk, ride, rodeo, that's it. And they're like, no, maybe <laughs> start with something smaller, right? So when you talk about goals and people always have these goals when they have these setbacks how do they overcome that as well and like in your goals so like obviously that was a pretty big one for you did you have to break it down into smaller pieces how did you end up overcoming those to be able to get to the walk ride rodeo that is a big part and so i was sharing that in my speech is that the nurse looked at me when i first told her those are my goals and she's just like oh honey, it's not going to be quite that easy. You don't just get to decide tomorrow, I'm going to get up and walk and, and you're going to be able to ride tomorrow. And, all. and so I had to sit smaller ones. Like, I mean, I shared my speech, moving myself, being able to transfer, being able to wheelie, being able to get dressed by myself, all those things. You have to set the smaller goals and it doesn't even mean that they're going to go right. It doesn't mean that they're going to be easy. You're still going to get frustrated, but that's what you have to do. There's always something we can be working on. Let's get real. If you're sitting there and you're ripe and rotting, be green and growing. So do something to keep you moving forward. And that's as a person in yourself, as a business person, as a, whether that's a daughter or a sister or a son or a husband or a wife, there is something you can do to improve, I promise. And so pick that. And then how are you going to do that? And then how are you going to celebrate it when you get there? It's breaking it down into small measurable chunks, right? You talk, you look at goal setting and it's, that's what they talk about as well. Break it down and you can use the smart goal setting, right? Specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time bound, right? If you wanted to go that far on you with it, and that's really a key thing. So the other part though, in this kind of comes true is one of the things that you mentioned on there is you never realize how close you were to success when you gave up. Walk us through that statement. Yeah, that is a, a quote that I share when I speak. You never realized how close you were to success when you gave up. And the reason that I share that is because I think that we've all been there where you just are at your wits end. It's not going the way that you want and you're frustrated and you're like, I'm over it. I'm just done. And what's so crazy is that, gosh, that's when something could change. And for me to even bring my faith into this, I've seen a picture out there. I really should find it of this person who's super frustrated with everything they've gone to and they get to the end of this door, the end of this hallway or something. I need to find the picture, but God's right on the other side. 
And it was like, they were just wanting to give up at that spot, right? They did, they felt like they'd done enough and all you needed is just to knock one more time. You needed to just get one more step. And then that's when something magical could happen. And I have to remind myself of that when I do get frustrated, like, Hey, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And even getting back on my horses like that, because it kept going wrong. I'd get something figured out and it wouldn't feel the right way. And so then I'm, I'd be mad for a minute, a couple of weeks, whatever month. And then I, okay, let's figure it out. And then you get back on and then it doesn't go right. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, like this is just not supposed to happen for me, obviously. And I'm really glad that we didn't stay there, but that's what you have to do, right? You have to be willing to take that next step and you have to be willing to turn that page because you don't know what's on the other side if you don't. How much of that played a part in, again, in your message, you talked about, you know, you went for nine months, you didn't even see your horses and you told your mom you wanted to sell them and your mom is a very wisdom person that had a lot of great information from your mom in there. So how much of that statement played a part in you actually wanting to get back on your horses after a nine month hiatus? So what's so crazy when I tell that story is in Utah and it's winter. So it's easy to tell people, I'm just not riding because it's cold outside. And people are like, oh yeah, that makes total sense, right? I didn't tell people I was stopped. I didn't tell people I told my mom to sell my horses, right? I didn't say that. I'm not that kind of person. I just don't say that. I was like between me and her and my littlest sister who rodeos with me and my friend. I think that was, those are the only ones that really knew that. My dad knew, but I think my dad was just like, yeah, she'll figure it out, right? <laughs> like she'll get there. She's tough. And so I spent that time without him trying to find something I would like. Now, there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't think about them. Not a day. I was actually asked that at a speech, I don't know, a week or so ago. And a girl asked me during that nine months, did you think about your horses or had you really put them out of your minds? And I, there is not a day that went by that I didn't. They hang in my room at college, right? I'm still talking about them. I'm still all of those things. But when I would go home, my mom would be like, do you want to go out and see them? And I'm like, no. I can see him from here. I don't need to go down there. I don't need to talk to him. I think I was just disappointed in myself that I was even there. I was disappointed that I'd even reached that point. And then I'm so stubborn that it's like, I've committed. So because I've committed to not seeing him, it doesn't matter how many times somebody says, do you want to go see him? The answer is going to be no, right. even if I want to. So I stuck to it, man. I stuck to it till that next spring. And even when I did go visit them, <laughs> I waited till nobody was home. Okay. <laughs> you didn't want to give that validation. No, it's like that far, right? Like I'm that hard headed that I'm like, I am not telling anybody I'm going out to see these horses because that's not what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm just that hard headed. But then it was like, I was able to get back on and I was able to ride again. And of course it was everything I wanted it to be. What was the thing that made you go back on and overcome that and get back riding? I actually had a reporter reach out and wanted to do a follow-up story. She'd done a story on me when, when I was in my accident in the local paper and was like, hey, like what's going on? It's been this many months later. Let's get another story. And so I was at college when she'd called me and I called my mom. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to be home in I don't know however long. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and ride for this reporter. And my mom's like, yeah, okay, sure. That sounds great. We'll go ahead and have him ready. Like it wasn't, yeah, yeah just that simple. Yeah, no big deal from your mom. Yeah, what's yeah. she going to do? Question me? She's been waiting this long for me to be able to do it. So she's like, okay, yeah, yep. sure. I'll have him ready. Yeah, waiting for that one moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And did the horses respond right away? Oh, yeah. Or were my, they a little stubborn? No, my no. black horse, he's, so Power is his name. He, gosh, he's he was made for me. Hmm. So he is very stubborn. He is that kind of a personality. People were offering me their horses to not get it back on him because he's just hot and he's just energetic and everything he is. But, and he's really tall, but... He knew something was different. He was supposed to be careful with me. Yeah. He's been incredible since the beginning. That's yeah. so cool. They're magnificent, magnificent creatures as say beasts, but that's also a good word for it too. They're just, they're smart, they're caring, they're gentle. And a lot of people don't understand that about horses. Yeah. Balancing the not quitting versus 
when is it time to throw in the towel? Obviously you didn't, and it's fantastic because you ended up where you're at now, but there are other scenarios where it does make sense to walk away from something. Maybe it was something that didn't matter to you as much. Maybe it's something that's not as important. I'm not sure, but how do you balance that to be able to make a decision whether to move forward and keep pushing or to say, you know what, we need to take a different direction here. Interesting question. And the first thing that really comes to my mind is that decision will only ever be with you, right? So don't let anyone else make that for you. That decision has to be you. And I like to tell people, I listen to my head, I listen to my heart and I listen to my gut. And if I can at least have two on the same page, I'm probably going the right direction. It's <laughs> not often going to have all three, but if I can have two that are on the same page, and if I have all three, then that's what I'm supposed to do. And I think that's what you got to ask yourself, right? Like logically, is this the right decision of where I should be? Does my heart agree with that? Do I feel like that feels right in my heart? And does my gut want to follow that instinct as well? And I think if you can get all three of those on the same page, that's the decision you probably should make. So whether that's continuing forward or quitting, and it doesn't even have to be quitting, right? Let's not even put that kind of a negative word on it. It's just moving on. Shoot, I've had to do that with horses. Like I have at this point learned that not every horse is worth my time. Does not make me a quitter. Does not mean I'm giving up. Does not mean anything of the sort. It just means I value my time enough that I'm going to spend it somewhere else. And so look at it that way, right? It doesn't have to mean that you're quitting something. It just means where is your time and, and would it be more valuable somewhere else? And it will it make your heart happy to be there. And then I think that's okay. Yeah. Like it's okay to move on. Absolutely. No, I love that. And it's true. It's 100% true. It makes sense to walk away from certain things and whatever language you need to use to be able to move past it. Absolutely. You need to just move forward and make a decision. Right? Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to ask, and it's the two your question to preface it with you, the grade tour, sorry, that you had when you were at the school. And it was one of the very first times that you ever had that question. If you were to go back and change anything about that day, would you? Yeah, that question threw me off. It was at an elementary school in Arizona four years after my accident was the first time I was asked that. And I remember sitting there and just thinking, okay, I've, I am not the person that likes to do the what ifs. I'm really not. People ask me them all the time. What if you'd had your seatbelt on? What if you'd, and I'm like, I, why would I spend my time there? Mm -hmm. yep. I can't change it. It will just make me sad. And then I'll end up getting frustrated and regret. It's just not worth it. So I just don't go there. That's not someplace you can go. And so when he had me sit there for a second and I'm like, oh my gosh. And like I said, that, that was only four years after. And so now I'm 13 years after. And I even think of what I have 13 years. I don't want to cry about that. But what I have 13 years later, if you sat in front of me and said, here's your life, here's your legs. You get to pick one. I'm picking my life. I really am. Because I have some amazing things I've been able to do. People I've met. My job, oh my gosh, like I love my job. And what I get to do, I, I couldn't trade that. But you give me my legs back today, hell yeah, I'm taking those. Like that is not a question. So it's not that I prefer being in a wheelchair, but I'm okay with what has had to happen in order for me to have the life that I have. My legs are gonna come back. And whether that is, you know, a miracle technology, the second freaking coming, I don't care. Like they're coming back. And I will be very thankful and happy for when they do. Unwavering faith. That's the thing that I think of right now and when hearing that. And I mentioned to you earlier, I asked you if you, you knew somebody called Hal Elrod. And so like, much of her right, story. So much of your story is so similar to his and yeah. what he's went through. And just this unwavering faith and this belief that is going to happen. And look, when you have that, when you have that, that's where great things happen. That's the magic zone. And you're there. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. One thing from Hal's story that I'll, I'll never forget was he was in the hospital and the nurses asked his dad to go and talk to him because they thought he was in denial and completely out of his mind because he was committed to walking again. And he was in a terrible car accident, all that, 
go look him up online for everyone that's watching because it's a fantastic story and his speeches are fantastic. But his dad came in, talked to him and he's like, Dad, I can't change it. I can't change the fact that I was in an accident. So why am I going to focus on that? I'm going to focus on what I can change and I want to walk again. So I'm going to and I believe that I'm going to. And he did. He went on to run fucking ultra marathons and yeah, he ran a 50 mile marathon. Yeah, yeah. that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. the dude's incredible. Yeah. And he has that same belief that you had when sitting in the hospital of like, this is just what's going to happen. Yeah. And there's an amazing belief. And like you talked in your message, the power of the chair and like power that you have and the story is just, again, it's bringing tears to my eyes again, even thinking about it. Cause there's a few times in there when I was thinking about it and like in my mom and like you and the story and just like, wow, so much raw power. I do want to be respectful of your time. I know that you have another podcast and we're at the uh, 23 minute mark. And I think our next question or our last question, Levin, unless you have any other final no. ones, I think our last, first off, how can people, I know the, the website that we have is amberleeschneider.org. We'll put that in the show notes. I didn't get it queued up to be able to put onto the brand, but we'll put that in our show notes for after. Is that the best way for people to reach and get in touch with you? Yep. 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 Find me on my website, amberleeschneider.org and on my social media as well. I do try to answer all of my messages. Sometimes I'm a little slower than others, but yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and then of course my website. And I'm sure there's more out there, but yeah, Perfect. those are the best ones. Perfect. We'll get those handles. We'll make sure that those are in the show notes for after to be able to drop that in there. So there's got amberleeschneider.org is oh. up on there. So our final question and that is, what is one question that you wished people would ask you more, but they don't? One question I wish people would ask me more, I get asked a lot of questions. <laughs> so that one's tough because I don't know. Maybe you could ask me what else I like outside of rodeo and outside of speaking. I get asked that. Then I would tell you that I'm obsessed with Harry Potter and Disney, but, and not very many people know that. <laughs> if you follow my social media, I guess maybe you do because you see I go to those places a lot during the year, but like, yeah, such a princess at heart. And so I love that. And maybe nobody really asks that or knows that about me, maybe per se, because they don't ask. They always just ask me about my chair and my horses and maybe what am I when I'm not on a horse and I'm a princess. So that's, <laughs> that's what I am when I'm not there. I don't know. Maybe that's all. <laughs> so the story that you had of your first date when you're on when you're, you're in the chair and he picked you up like a princess. Mm -hmm. Did you go on a second date with him? Oh yeah, I did go on a second date with that boy. But what I love to tell you is that he's now married to not me. <laughs> Dated him for two and a half years, but then I found an upgrade. So nice. yeah, that's the story that I get to tell. And bless him, he was a great person, right? Yeah. Great person, and we had a lot of fun. But yeah, the boy I have now is above and beyond what I could have asked for. Awesome. I would be first to say thank you for coming to the event sharing your story, coming on our podcast, sharing your story as well. It's one that is, it's a true testament. Go check out her Netflix show as well. Walk, Ride, Rodeo on Netflix. Check out her website, follow her socials. It's just a super powerful and impactful story. So thank you so much for taking the time to share. Absolutely. Thank you. And I can't wait till you come to Stampede. Oh yeah. Yes. Count on it at the some Calgary, point. The Calgary Stampede. No. Yes, at some point I will be there, hundred percent. Amazing. Yeah. When you do, we'll be uh, we'll be the first to buy tickets. Absolutely. Deal. All right. <laughs> All right. And until next time. Cheers. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of HVAC Success Secrets Revealed. Before you go, two quick things. First off, join our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash HVAC Revealed. The other thing, if you took one tiny bit of information out of this show, no matter how big, no matter how small, all we ask is for you to introduce this to one person in your contacts list. That's it. That's all. One person. So they too can unleash the ultimate HVAC business. Until next time. Cheers.